You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Hi, Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin the proceedings here today by calling in the Helping Spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who have walked on this planet, who have lived well and died well, and who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in the legacy of our ancestral lines to us. I call out to these people that met the challenges of their time and rose up to be the medicine that their time called for, that stepped into what they weren't sure they were ready to do and did it to the best of their ability and in that way began to show others um, how to become the medicine for their time. And as these ancestors gather around us here today, let us all open our hearts and reach beyond the humans to those beings that have been here longer than the humans, to all of those ever more ancient ancestors who still live with us here today in non-human form. And let's reach out to those ancestors and ask them to help us to understand our own true nature, how to better be that piece of the fabric of life that we are, to be that thread and to be that thread in the best way that we know how, so that human beings can begin to be seen as this truly joyful blessing in this great fabric of life. And so we ask these great ones, these old ones, these ancient ones to come to us here now at this time and help us to remember the deeper potential in what it is to be a human and let us listen so that we can once again come to understand how to be better humans. So as these ancestors gather round, human and non-human, let us gather ourselves. Gather ourselves from wherever it is we might be, scattered about in our contemporary time and draw an awareness into our mind. And from our mind, let's take a deep breath and draw our awareness down into our heart. And from our heart, let's take a deep breath and reach down into the belly. And from the belly, let's reach fully to the earth. And take a moment, stop everything, and do one thing. And just offer our gratitude for this day to the earth. Gratitude for this day, gratitude for our life, gratitude for all that has brought us to this moment in our life. Even if we don't yet understand how that was actually a gift, let us give thanks for it anyway. We give thanks for all that is in this moment with all of its potential and possibility and hope. We give thanks for all that could be. We give gratitude to the earth for beauty, for diversity, and we give thanks for the generosity in her dreaming that allows all that needs to be changed to be changed as long as we are still breathing. And for this, this great, great graciousness in this dreaming we give thanks and begin to move our energy down through all the layers of the earth 
And with each breath, as we move deeper and deeper into the earth, allowing our gratitude to flow out into each layer, let us finally arrive deep in the very center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. And to begin to breathe in those energies that draw their unique power from stillness, from solitude, from quiet, and from darkness. And let us reach deeply into this energy to begin to draw up that which nourishes us and replenishes and restores. And we call up the energy of the earth that we might learn to be manifest in form here in a good way for all living things. And let us reach out and draw up her energy and open ourselves to this wisdom. Even as this energy restores us, revitalizes us, renews us, and becomes that energy that we can transform into the abundance and the um, diverse beauty of life around us. So with this energy of the earth, let us ground deeply into it and determine who we are and where we stand and what we stand for. What has heart and meaning in your life? And to make these choices for yourself. Don't just take what's been handed to you by time or by your culture, but to choose what truly resonates with deep heart and meaning for you and to let that be the place that you build a sense of home and belonging and connection to others. And let us continue to challenge ourselves to reach out and open the door, open a place at the table, open a place in our minds and our hearts for people who are other than we are that we might learn from them how to be better versions of ourselves. And as we open to this wisdom of the earth about connection and interconnection and the interrelationships of things, let us come into better relationship with ourselves, with our environment, with each other here in the environment, with all the other living things and the invisible world. And in this way, may we have a practice to tune in at least once a day to feel our place in this great web of life and take that sense of right relationship from our place in the oneness. So as we begin to open ourselves to these energies, let us draw the energies of the earth up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and to begin to reach up and out the top of our head and into the weather and whatever the day has in store for you at this time, reaching up and out through the atmosphere and into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever way you know this energy, however you conceive of it, whatever name you call it, reach out to these radiant energies from above. And let this divine energy radiate down into you, into your day, into these proceedings, into your body. And in this way, we call in blessing. We call in the essence energy of protection. We draw these energies in that we might find commitment and devotion in our lives. We call these energies in to feel the beneficence and the benevolence of our universe. May these energies come into our lives to offer inspiration and illumination, to be the beacon in the storm of the chaos of our lives, and to help to guide us as we draw these energies into our mind and our heart and our belly and send them down to the earth. And in this way, through our choice, through the right use of our will, we open ourselves to be that place that the above and below come together in that deep and ancient relationship that gave birth to this experience of form that we all share. And may that big love inspire 
the spirit of your own heart to come awake here today and let the heart awaken and bring online that crucible of transformation that lives only in the human heart. And as that crucible begins to do its job, draw up the fiery passions in your belly that may be entirely unknown to you, but draw them up into your heart and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that these two energies so different in their nature can come together in a dynamic that allows it to give birth to the third and most important thing that speaks to why you are here. So may you find in your heart some memory, some inkling, some sense, some flirting with, some understanding of why it is that you are here in this life. And may you draw on the courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts that you are uniquely here to bring to bring those gifts to the world and we give enormous gratitude to all of the spirit help that we have moving around us in so many ways to do this work that we have come here to do we give deep gratitude may what needs to be said be said here today what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things I'd like to give a special thank you to Jill and Aaron and Dustin, to Kelly, Joan, Kristen, Cynthia, and Peter for their financial support of Why Shamanism Now. For those of you who might be listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, which means it is humble donations by people like you that keep the show on the air, that pay the bills, that allow the technology to keep happening, um, that houses the archives, for example, where we have almost 400 hours of podcasts about how we as contemporary people can directly apply shamanism in a practical and effective way and safe way in our lives. And so if this show moves you in any way, even if it moves you to frustration and distraction or confusion, it still moved you. So if it moves you in any way, do this fundamental of shamanic things, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world and to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow and to stay strong. So you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We're welcome. We welcome all of it. We're deeply grateful. It all goes literally and directly to keeping the show on the air and free to people around the world who can access the internet. If you can't donate financial, be creative. Ask your helping spirits. Find some other way to help the show to grow in its breadth, in, the, in its outreach to people. Bring it into your own shamanic practice and your own journey circles. Wrestle with the ideas. Use them. See what happens. And please feel free to let that adventure um, evolve into questions and possibilities for new shows. So for all that you are doing to help why shamanism now keep stay alive and to stay relevant to you as contemporary practitioners i give thanks and i give thanks to all the helping spirits that help us to do that and i give thanks to ken at crowcreatornetwork.com for being our forever um, loyal and deeply committed producer so to all that makes this show happen i give thanks so today we are blessed with a guest Um, our topic today is are we the humans changing things in the spirit world and to explore that possibility with me um, our guest today is Kelly Harrell welcome Kelly thank you it's good to be here 
Yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard the several other shows with Kelly, since you will you will fall in love with her today on the show, I am sure you can go to her page on myshamanismnow.com and directly link to the other shows that she's done with us. Um, but you can also find Kelly's work and her um, – she's an author, her books, to connect with her work. She's one of the many people that works very effectively online and at a distance. Um, you can connect with her at soulintent.com arts.com um, she has another website which is kellyharrell.com which is I think the direct one of the most direct leaks to the books but anyway they'll all get you there and but just to um, be clear it's Kelly Harrell K-E-L-L-E-Y H-A-R-R-E-L-L okay so um, Kelly is in North Carolina for those of you who are always looking for someone that is local to you. Um, she's been on the shamanic path now for well over 20 years. She works locally and internationally with a client base and she incorporates other trainings, other ways of knowing and modalities into her shamanic practice at Soul Intent Arts. Um, her memoir, A Gift of the Dreamtime, Awakening to the Divinity, divinity sorry, of Trauma, chronicles her pivotal step in the role of the shaman. Um, and she also has a book on um, Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism um, and many other resources on our site. So I encourage you to um, connect with her there and explore all of those possibilities. We are live today. Um, if you want, um, if you have a question about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com. But also, we are welcome for questions because we know it becomes a podcast and you listen to it later. It's not necessarily live. So you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org or you're welcome to email Kelly through either of her websites. So that's soulintent.org. Uh, sorry, soulintelarts.com or kellyharrell.com. Okay, so our topic today. So this idea of the spirit world as being fixed and constant with this upper world, middle world, and lower world, um, that it has this sort of eternal quality is one of these sort of fundamental assumptions of our you know, contemporary experience of shamanism, at least for those of us that are not coming out of a deep shamanic tradition but are trying to jump back in at this time. And yet it is an assumption I think very few people challenge or question or explore the possibility. Um, but if the relationship with humans and spirits is a working relationship, um, truly, then there is a possibility that we are actually affecting things in the other world. And there's certainly, um, we see this historically, if you will, in the stories about the relationship between humans and the fairy realm and how certain things in our realm are other things in their realm and how when we change the water in our world, we change something else in their world and that um, that 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 influence between the realms is is much chronicled actually um and yet we tend to go just read those stories and not think about how does that to apply to us as contemporary people in our contemporary lives and so the, the question that we're asking today is are there signs that humans are changing the dynamic of not only the physical world but the invisible world of energy and spirit and most importantly if there are those signs if we are doing that, um, what should we be paying attention to? 
Um, so, Kelly, um, <laughs> what are your general thoughts about this idea of whether or not we are influencing things in the energy, spirit, invisible realm? Well, I stumbled into it. It's not something that I sought out or or wanted to get messy with, to be honest. I wanted things to be upper lower and fixed and and golden and and they just weren't. Um, Maybe about four, five years ago, I had a client come in who was dealing with just everyday stuff, you know, no glaring trauma, but just kind of life not flowing the way that she wanted it to. And so I went through all my checklists, you know, are there soul parts missing? No, didn't find anything. Are there attachments, ancestral stuff, life force not flowing to allow her the movement she wants? No, 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 no. And and I noticed that her guide just didn't look quite right. It, she was kind of dusty and kind of distanced. And so when I started kind of working my little checklist with her, I found that the guide was carrying some very old things that had been brought up because of events in the human's life. So the session turned at that point completely away from the human and was focused on working with the guide. And when we did that, when we turned that corner, everything opened up for the human. And so it was really an eye-opener for me that we do need to bring healing to those realms where we can. We we have to open our scope much wider than just people come in, we work with them, we work with nature. There's a lot more going on that we're responsible for. And that was the first time that I got that clue by four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some people say, well, you know, you guys are missing the point because, you know, when our helping spirit dies, for example, they're communicating something to you. Um, And to those people, what I would say is that's exactly what Kelly is saying, is that this guide ends up carrying a burden for this client, person, for the human, for its human, right? Mm -hmm. And that it, it, because the guide... In, in a sense, because I have these things in my arms, because I, the spirit guide, am carrying these things in my arms, I can't pick up anything else for you. Right, you know, exactly. Like my hands are full. <laughs> you know? and, and I think that in our naivete, and, and I say that with the, with the most gentle, loving sense, because I'm included in it as well, as I often remind my, my peers and colleagues um, hello, people. Not one of us has done this for even a whole generation. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We, we are all Absolutely. such children, you know. Absolutely. And um, and then there, the other side of it is exactly what you said: is finding out things usually because some client has a problem, and we're doing our best to help. We're going, man, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> it's just got infinitely more complicated. Well, um, it, in terms it brings of- a whole. It brings a new level of responsibility, not just to addressing the issue that's in front of you, but you've got a new check on your checklist now. It it mm-hmm. can't be excluded anymore. Right, right. So one of the places I saw this idea um, in traditional shamanism was in the way um, Melodoma Somme spoke about their understanding of death. 
and uh, their understanding of death is that there's only two reasons that you die. One reason is you got done. And so at whatever age you die, the issue is you got done with why you were here and you walked out and, 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 and thus left your incarnation and that that's a good death. And then the other dying was that you were in this kind of relationship we're talking about with our helping spirits that we are we are working with them or not working with them but basically we're engaged with them in such a way that they're carrying in effect such a burden for us not doing our part somehow and this would be different for different people again it's something that has to be divined into and understood but but generally the point is they are so overburdened by what we either aren't doing or things that we are doing that we shouldn't be that's creating this this um, toxicity that they can't do it anymore. I mean, and that's a scary concept. Right. But but in this shamanic tradition, which is West African, the Dagra tradition in West Africa, there's a there's a very common accepted understanding that a human being can get in such a problematic relationship with their helping spirits that they can't do their job anymore. And that in in effect, as they, um, you know, it's it, back to the too many things in my arms idea, like they get so many things that they're holding, it, it just all starts to tumble out. And once that happens, the person often then some opportunistic disease um, be, just just blossoms within them, and within months they're dead. <laughs> so, it, but what's interesting about that is I can't tell you how many people th that come to me that saying, you know, six months ago I was fine, and now all of a sudden I have cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's and and I see that as exactly the same thing. Is like six months ago that balance was teetering, but you were still clear. But then you know one more year of not you know, listening to, you know, something about your soul's purpose or something, and it's just too much. Um, and so what's interesting to me is I, you know, I held that piece of teaching for a while to try to really understand, but I feel like it fits into this category of realizing they're not just this infinite resource that's there for us no matter how we behave in our lives. And, right. and, and I don't mean that necessarily in a judgmental sense, because it sounds like, in, in this story you shared, the human did something and had no idea that that had created this situation for the helping spirit. Right. And yeah. in, in a way, it was beneficial that, in, mm -hmm. that whatever, you know, whatever trigger happened in her life, it put the guide in the place to do some work that had apparently needed to be done for a long time. And it, it, it was a mutually beneficial thing. Ultimately. Ultimately, yes. Yeah, yeah. Had had someone been able to get in there and be willing to interpret the situation properly, because that's the other thing. If we're fixed in our idea that this relationship is hard and fast, then I'm not open to my helping spirits trying to show me what's really going on. Right? right. I mean, the issue was you had you as the practitioner, the, the person divining what was going on, had to be open to this possibility. Which once again is a scary yeah. boss, you know. Well, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I don't know anyone in the modern context who is taught that. So the fact yes. that you're talking about this today is pretty monumental. But I mean, you know, we're taught you can do guide retrievals, but that mm -hmm. assumes the guide is fine. 
there's just mm-hmm. something in the access that's off and and mm-hmm. that's just the beginning <laughs> in mm-hmm. some cases and of mm-hmm. course since then i've i've had several people come to me and find that it's really not about necessarily what's happening with the human but something that needs to be fixed at a higher level of who's watching over them mhm mhm because um uh i don't know last year i did a series of shows about essentially when we teach, at least for me, when I teach basic journeying, I say, you know, I want people to be really open to every possibility and you have, you know, all these different possible forms in which your guides and spirits can show up in. And so don't just expect it's going to be an animal, right? You know, be open. Right. And yet at the same time, long term in your relationship with these spirits, they don't all function the same because they're not really all the same kind of being. And that level of distinction like the difference between a deity and an ancestor and an animal i mean they they're different beings and that in a in a world that, that to say it's a hierarchy is much too simplistic and not accurate but there is a system there and no one's talking about it except us today <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i i also there's another piece of this though that i think um because in some ways we're talking about what I consider kind of the innocent side of it is we're naive, we're somewhat innocent to the mess that we're making and and right. therefore there's a little bit of grace and helping us to wake up to it. Like you said, that ultimately we can see, oh, now that we see what's going on, we can fix this and this is, this is ultimately a good thing. The other side of it though, I think um, there's a way in which – um, systems that involve more than one human, like not just human mm-hmm. and guide, you know, but lots of humans mm-hmm. um, unifying in a, in a particular act or experience. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the systems created by humans, like, for example, racism or classism in certain cultures or sexism, that these, these become spirits um, – of their own out of the repetition of the human acts manifesting it. I don't know. Would you say that differently? I never quite know how to explain that. I think that was pretty good. Oh, okay. Okay. So anyway, so the first time I saw this was after um, September 11th, 2001 in New York when I finally flew in after, which was pretty much as soon as they opened up air traffic again. I flew to New York because I had already previous plans to be there to see clients and um, saw clients for a day and my intention was after a day of clients that I would do at least one journey and endeavor to try to help. I mean, not, you know, whatever I could do. Mm-hmm. And when I went into this journey, it was like, um, it, it was the feeling of, um, that I imagine if you were on a spaceship and the hull was breached and all the life supporting air was being sucked out, <laughs> that like, <laughs> panic and and as I went into this journey and I hadn't really noticed it that much working with my clients but as I went in to ask you know what's going on here and how could I be helpful um, I was shown this this network of energy that's somewhere in this complex invisible world that we all work with as if it's all coherent right well it's coherent but it's Mm -hmm. complex right and that it was broken that the act of so many people dying so suddenly, the issue was not that there aren't other places in the world where more people haven't died, but that that it was so surprising, you know, because we, we always mm-hmm. have to remember shock, surprise is at the root of soul loss, 
right? That human Absolutely. beings don't deal with it well. So this shock, this was not a not an overtly um, conscious war in people's minds. This was a surprise, and I'm not even going to get into who really did it and what happened. But the point is. A, it, it surprised a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people died in a really horrific way in one very um, isolated place. And and it broke something in the spirit world that could be fixed, but it took human beings paying attention to fix mm-hmm. it with spirit. And that was another version of this that scared the crap out of me. Because I'm like, wait, what? You know, it's like we can actually yeah. break things that aren't supposed to be broken ever. I don't want to know this. <laughs> you know, right. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> so, so this, so to me, I guess I, uh, I'm going to take this one step further and then kind of go back into these examples and how do we do it. I think that part of this fits into what I hope is our growing awareness as conscious people that while we do technically have free will, that doesn't actually mean that we can do anything we want anytime we want to any way we want to because everything we do affects other things. And so we have to remember that our free will is a power that all we, that comes with a responsibility given the fact that everything is interrelated and interconnected. And so – I think that there's an aspect of our contemporary kind of ignorance and arrogance about our free will that plays into this as well. You know, I can do whatever I want and my helping spirit should just show up and I I, can do what I want. I create my own reality. I mean, that's the buzz phrase of the new age. I create my own reality and screw the rest of you. Really? Yeah. 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 And, um, but if, but the, the see, and this is the piece for me that's the profound distinction between new age you know, mind body mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. and shamanism or animism is this is well, well, yes. And at the same <laughs> time, you are deeply connected to everything else in many, many, many ways and multiple ways. And so there isn't anything that you do freely ever. Absolutely. And if we could bring that one piece of awareness into contemporary shamanism, like if that was our goal this year, like 2017, our goal (laughs) is to have every shamanic practitioner on the globe today bring this awareness into your practice and get out of this new agey idea and really recognize what the spirits are trying to help us understand about this profound gift and curse, you know, called free will. And, you know, how do we, how do we use this in a good way? And I actually believe a lot of the, the protocol around community life in indigenous cultures, which is largely destroyed through colonization these days, but in the past had everything to do with training people to simply be responsible for that yes. community effect they're always having. That was the observation that I had, you know, like just after the election when I did the journey that we loosely discussed to talk to to find what spiritual source of racism is. Um, And, you know, that idea that of duty, that there is um, something that each of us brings to our community and each of us has to do that job whether we want to do that job may be debatable but we bring something to the community that must be done 
And when it doesn't get done, the community breaks. People suffer. People don't get fed. They don't get protected. They're not warm. This idea that when when we all um, perform the duty that we bring to our community, the community functions well. It's this perfect functioning with nature. And, and the idea that we need to be closer to that to fix some of these systems that are driven by ego and will, which are not part of, you know, duty and how nature flows. That's the root of what we can contribute to bring the change that's needed at the spirit world level. Yeah. So as you're saying this, I'd actually love for you to talk about that journey a little bit more um, and we'll circle back to it. But as you're saying this, I'm thinking about, you know, one of my favorite old stories about old shamanism, traditional shaman, pre-contact shamanism is I'm in the Arctic, not growing a lot of food up there, mostly hunting walruses, right? Walruses are gone, so shaman has to go do the deep journey to Sedna at the bottom of the sea, the mistress of the animals, to say, why are you not giving us your animals to eat? And she says, well, because you guys are all behaving badly. <laughs> and it's always the same answer, right, which is that mm-hmm. you people as a community yeah. – are trespassing against each other. And then she starts to list all the things that are happening, who's sleeping with who they're not supposed to be sleeping with and who's lying to whom and who's cheating whom. And they're all the same basic stuff, right? It's so right. human and so recognizable. And Shaman comes back. All of this is is now out in the open and everything, all the relations have to get reconciled and if that happens then the walruses come back and the people get to eat if they don't fix it they don't get to eat anymore and 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 i look at that and i think wow that was a pretty good system okay it's pretty but my logical point, yeah but my point is contemporary shamanic practitioners hear that story and all they want is to be able to feel that power of that shaman who did that journey it's that ego desire out of it. Am I that shaman? Am I initiated? Am I that powerful? Versus seeing that as a cautionary tale about what our really humble function is here with humans in a community, which is all about how do we help contemporary humans be right with each other? And we are mm-hmm. so far, I mean, we're so far away from that right now compared to this you know, Inuit group in this story of the Arctic. You know, we have our work is really cut out for us. And yet we're not even paying attention to the right part of the story Mm. as the practitioners. Mm -hmm. Back to what you're saying about we we all have this responsibility um, to the community, to life. Anyway, so so to illustrate this more, Kelly, can would you share more about that particular journey you were just referencing? Well, I, it was shortly after the election, maybe within a week of the election, and I started being visited by what identified itself as kind of the trajectory of racism in the southern United States and how that um, impacted systemically the rest of the country. And I I just kind of tiptoed around it for a few days because I thought, you know, holy shit, first of all. And then um, and I went to visit it. And the first thing it told me was that its original name, it, it, it well, okay, it told me that its name was subordination. Mm-hmm. And I immediately had a sense of that sort of 
a system where, where we're all playing roles. It's it's all equal. This, you know, there's no hierarchy in the system. We just have things that have to get done. They have to get done so that we eat, so that we're fed, so that we're warm and protected. And in that moved congruently with nature, the nature cycle of, you know, wherever these, you know, beings were located. And at some point in the progression that human progression of duty in that system, there came um, people who felt like they needed to manipulate that. And that's where the subordination came from. They felt like they needed to interject their will into that system. And when we got to that part of the story, the the being said, my original name was just leadership. Hmm. And I thought, I was just blown away, to be honest. I mean, you know, I, I just I had to sit with it for several days. And the, the feeling that I had from it was um, I wanted to heal it. You know, I was I was that American modern shaman. I just want to fix it. I just want to make it better. And <laughs> and that wasn't you know, that that's not an option. Not not that way. The thing well, that alone. makes it better. Exactly. And the thing that makes it better is you live differently, of course. You know, you and the message was you, you can't just throw healing at these, you know, animistic beings that are kind of a core source of, of something that we've watched play out horribly in our history and, and on the planet. But you, you can't just throw healing at them. You can you can send the, the absolute best spiritual mojo that you've got. But if you, if that's all you do, you're missing the process. You're skipping the duty and the duty has to be done. And that's to each other and making sure everybody is looked after and, and taking that ego and will component out of it and just making sure everybody's looked after. And in many ways, subordination chosen with one's free will is duty. Mm-hmm. That I subordinate my desire today to go white water rafting to tend the crops because that's sure. my duty. You know, I mean, so it, 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 and so what I what I saw other than sanity in this post when you posted it was <laughs> the, <laughs> in, in an insane world was the transformation of energies that were precisely the things that weren't working at this time, like the transformation of leadership, which were in such a globally in such a place around horrible leadership. And even people that can see that it's horrible constantly email, what does good leadership look like? Like we're so lost around it. And so here we see, you know, this energy that we so need right now and how the reason we can't find it is because through our daily actions every day generation after generation we've transformed something we need desperately right now into something we're trying desperately to get rid of the racism piece you know how it transforms into you know and and that it comes back to are we willing to do our duty to each other not just our yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like a really simple, simple, and in in the scale of what we're talking, almost pathetic example is in my student community because it is non-local, and you 
I'm sure have this issue as well. There's certain software platforms you have to pay for so that there's a means by which the people can engage. And in our community, we have, we have $10 a month dues and only 20 people pay them. And so like they're the parents who are paying the electric bill for all the children mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> because there's no understanding of what my collective duty to this particular community of people in my life, that it's mm-hmm. not just my duty to show up and be in class and, and um, work with you yeah. and journey for you or whatever, the sexy bits, right? It's the really not sexy uh, yeah. bits. Yeah, it's not enough to just show up. It's great that you show up. It's not enough to be a good person. It, yeah. it takes acting on that every day mm-hmm. and doing it when it blows up in your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have to show up and we have to be engaged and involved every day. And I would say add to that even the resiliency to keep doing that when people – behave badly because you are like you like what I see is people get all worked up to go do that and they do it and it goes badly and that's it and they say see I told you so I'm not doing that anymore right resiliency people you got to show up and do what's right even though nobody else is going to pat you on the back for it yeah no they don't you're right about that because the truth is your helping spirits actually will pat you on the back for it (laughs) and say, look, I need a little support here because this is getting really hard to keep doing this every day when all I'm getting is shit for it. And they will. absolutely. Um, But, you know, the humans might not. Um, I mean, looking at things today, you know, (laughs) I'm pretty sure the humans won't for a while. Um, But it still has to be done. Yeah. So, so based on your, this particular journey and others like it, what is your sense of, like what we do, you know, what is the remedy in a sense, this larger scale remedy? What would our days look like if we were responding to this information and, and asking, you know, how do we collect collectively um, respond? So for example, what I'm saying, so like when you, you offered the spirit healing and it was like, well, that's nice, but you know, it's not, nearly good enough you know one thing would be um could we have a network of like-minded colleagues who could receive that information and then we could begin to move it out into our communities what does that look like so it's not just um you approaching this by yourself isolate i mean that's one problem we experience i think Mm -hmm. as contemporary practitioners we're somewhat isolated in our places in our communities but um i mean that's one one way it could be different is how do we as practitioners and who are in a position of teaching and guiding others um step that up amongst each other you know in our in our community in that sense absolutely and and i think we have to be willing to have hard conversations about what community service looks like with the people that we're teaching, with initiates, with with people we're mentoring, students. There has to be a heavier emphasis on it's not all journeying. It's not all, you know, in the spirit realm. There has to be the component of actually being active in your communities and knowing what your community needs. That's the duty part. I mean, we're not all going to have the same role in our communities. And so finding the places that you can 
be involved, that you can be engaged, that you can be a voice. And I think when we're creative with that, it doesn't have to be something that we don't know how to do, that we're going to you know, tear ourselves inside out to make happen. There's something that we can all do right now. It's just taking the time to figure out what that is, cultivating it and finding the place that it's needed in the community. And there's a piece of this, Kelly, that I think is another place that gets a little missed in people's practices is how, um, so let's say I do this big transformational process shamanically, you know, that's the sexy bit. Oh, I worked so hard. Oh, it was so scary. And I prevailed <laughs> with my helping spirits. And, and now I, I am in some way a different person. And that's like, yay, that's, that's the great part. Right? right. But the next question I feel is often that like for many, that's the end. I'm, I'm different yeah. now and I'm happy with that. So what's next versus I'm different now. I'm happy with that. How do I move that energy out into my everyday life with the people that I interact with? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean personally my children and my loved ones. I mean who – how you stand in line at the grocery store. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. how you drive. Um, oh, Yeah. Um, do you have the possibility in your, like in Portland, there's all these neighborhood seed exchanges that have risen up to share heirloom seeds that people are successfully growing in their own gardens. Um, and I, this is very Portland because of course only a quarter of the people in Portland can grow tomatoes because the other 75% of us never get enough sun. Right. So, you know, but and it's like that throughout the city um, in all of these little urban gardens and all of these Portland. Right. So everybody's got heirloom seeds growing. Everything's, you know, but but the point is that they set up a seed share. Right. With each other so that next year people can can plant what they were not successful planting the year before. Um, I think about these images of these um I don't know, fallen apart city blocks that are being turned into urban gardens. I mean, there's so many ways. Um, All of these kids, you know, the beauty of kids solutions is they're really not worried about who's going to make money doing it. Growing up solutions always worry about who's going to profit. Kids look at the problem and fix it because they're not concerned about somebody profiting by the fix. Right. So they invent coats that become sleeping bags for the homeless. They invent, you know, they just they just do it. Yeah. And I, I think that if you as a – not you personally, but you listeners as grown-ups, if, if you're listening to this going, I can't imagine what I could possibly do differently. I'm already doing too many things. I, I can't even hear this podcast. You know, figure out how to get your feed and your preferences on all of your devices to feed you cool ideas people under 14 come up with. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Because, you know, because it's really inspiring. And, it is, and what yeah. I, and what I think about it, I mean, talk about kids that, you know, they're being taught civics. They feel a sense of civic duty. So they look at some problem, some big problem. Most of us go, oh, you can't fix that. You can't fix homelessness in America anymore. And they fix it <laughs> in their right. area you know, because right. they are not concerned about who they offend and who profits. And that's – to me, I just keep saying that because to me, that's obviously a piece of understanding what it means to do your duty 
your duty you do because you're supposed to do it and because you can do it because you're the one who can do it, um, not because someone's going to make money doing it, particularly you. Right. And, you know, when you were saying, um, you know, adjust your feed, you know, I feel overwhelmed. I can't even listen to what you're saying. I've got too much stuff going on as it is. Maybe that's an arms full place where some of the things that you're doing are not your duty. (laughs) They are not things that have to be done. And maybe some of those need to be put down to come closer to the source of what you can do and what would really fulfill, you know, you and other people for you to do it. Well, and and I'm going to share an example for myself of what Kelly's just said, just just because I think this was really important. So we actually just did a ritual in my community where we were asked to lay down burdens to be able to bring our medicine, this very specific question. And I was told that one of the burdens that I carry that is not mine to carry is worrying about other people's learning. And, you know, it's really easy as a teacher to get deeply invested in other people's learning. But yeah. it's not my job. My job is the teaching. Their job's the learning. <laughs> and it was so, That's a significant it was so, distinction. It was so profound. And in my life, that was a huge burden I had started taking on with certain people that were struggling and were asked for a particular kind of help. And what's interesting about that kind of person is as soon as they get that help, they usually leave. And, you know, and I realize that, you know, I'm becoming a less effective teacher to the whole by picking up this burden of learning for a few. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's very insightful. And so, so this is the, you know, and so none of us are immune to this question. It's like, are we carrying, and this is, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, this is a very timely question for wintertime, which is, have I picked up responsibilities that are not mine, which keep me from understanding more deeply the responsibilities that are? Um, Yeah. In, in, in every, in every, in our everyday life, um, are the people in your community, like Kelly has said, are the people in your community being fed? How can you affect that? You know, the, there's so much about what defines the quality of who we are about human beings uh, by the quality of the lives of those who are vulnerable in our community. The children, um, the elders, people that are marginalized. And... You know, this was one of the messages that we got from the teachers as we came, you know, into the election and into this winter time is um, how can you step up in your sphere of influence? Like Kelly was saying, it doesn't mean you have to go learn something new. It's probably a way to use something you already do. Another thing about that, Kelly, I don't know if you've seen this, but I also noticed that people who who do do some particular work in the world have a tendency through repetition to just get in the habit of seeing that skill applied in this particular way and don't necessarily recognize that their skill could be applied in this way over here and solve that problem they never imagined. And this is another reason I think it's helpful for people to talk to each other, like face to face <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> what? <laughs> what 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 you mean like put my phone down and actually talk to the person sitting <laughs> next to me on the bus you know? I don't know. right um 
I don't know if you see that, but I, I see that that there's a certain weariness around our work in the world and we tend to lose creative thinking around it to think how could this thing that I really take for granted and do very easily actually be offered in a way that it, it as you've said, sort of fits into this um, service in the large, in our community, in wh- however we define community. I think that's the big question of the day. Yeah. So, are there any? Uh, I mean, just to just to kind of really help people that are practitioners in one way or another to see this in their own lives. Do you have other other examples of where you've seen this um, dynamic going on between humans and spirits? I'm trying to think if I have some other examples. As I was, well. Yeah. I can't think of any right off. So what I, I can't think of any right now either because I'm sort of on to this how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. And and you know and part of part of what you said earlier in the show is that we in our contemporary manifestation of shamanism tend to lead toward, you know, can I extract it? Can I soul retrieval it? You know, can I throw some healing energy at it? You know, can <laughs> Can the person in the designated healer role just do the healing versus the recognition that much of what we are all struggling with right now is a direct result of the way we are living? Absolutely. And that, yeah. And so really the only way we can change this in a fundamental way is to change how we're living. Um, so w- back to the one – this. The, the journey that you shared, um, some of the questions or the ideas at the end um, – so the first thing is how do we as practitioners of how could we begin to more effectively create the this medicine that is how we inspire people to live differently I mean I think it's challenging to do because I think it requires a lot of time outside what we consider teaching and and sessions. Um, I find that the most helpful thing I've changed in my practice in the last two years is being available to people outside of those in their daily life. You know, when things come up, how can I be available and yet not starve to death myself? You know, creating these places where we can connect on very mundane things. We're not doing a healing session. You know, we're Mm -hmm. not learning how to journey somewhere or whatever, but being able to have that sense of tribe as they're going through the day-to-day stuff and still bringing in the reminder that the day-to-day stuff is deeply spiritual and having effects on you and everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, the next layer or the next kind of the next line of your thought around that was um, when we when we notice the weakness or the challenge or the dis-ease or the whatever it is in the spirit world because as you said in that particular journey you saw that if this particular spirit were to grow so weary that it just pooped out it, that those right. weren't the words you used. <laughs> anyway, but it's kind of moved <laughs> out though. That if they were to die, whatever that means, that we would really, we the humans would really be sent in. You know, we think this is chaos now. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just wait. 
right? So, so how could we, how could we begin to tend this situation? Since it's obviously not something one person can go in and you know, it's it's not a situation for the chosen one, but it's a collectively created dis-ease that needs a collective solution. Um, and part of it is in how we live, but could we be inspired to understand how we live differently by communicating with these spirits about this very issue? You know, versus how do I heal you, but how right. do we... So, in other words, could we go to these weary spirits and ask, okay, in the next three months, there's only one thing we can change. What would be the best thing for us to focus on in relative to your health and well-being? And then as a, as practitioners, that's part of our duty. I mean, if, if it's been revealed that this is a layer where it's needed, it is our job to em- embrace that and revisit it. And I, I if for some reason, that answer just just tracked me over to one of, one of the ideas that I was talking about last year, which I started to realize there are a lot of people that are shamanic practitioners. They're not necessarily hanging up a shingle as healers, but they really are invested in shamanism as a mm-hmm. way of their spiritual life and to maintain their own well-being. And they do do some amount of practice with others. But if for many of – not many – for a group of them, what I saw is this lack of resiliency and how they're they're um, easily taken down by like the room they get at the retreat center because, oh, my God, <laughs> this is a problem and that's a problem and there's a ghost and there's – it's like, darling, uh, there's ghosts everywhere in this country. You know, you, you yeah. really actually need to be a little more resilient than that. You know? <laughs> and um, so this, this – so – where, I, where my mind went to, as you said, is I think this is part of our responsibility as practitioners. If it's been revealed to us, then there's something to that and that we, with our resources, how, whatever those might be, need to find a way to begin to tend this relationship in a different way. Yes, that is a great answer and it made me think of all of the practitioners that are just really highly skilled wounded children. Mm. Because I think continuing to try to be an adult when you're really just this wounded child is, in a sense, by definition, the heart of this problem. Yeah. And so for that kind of practitioner, and boy, that show, I got a lot of emails from people saying, oh, my God, (laughs) (laughs) that's me. Bless their hearts. And I appreciated that, you know, that realization that I have embarked on this path of deep shamanic learning to create another layer of buffer between me and the world. But I haven't really dealt with the fact that I need that buffer because I'm still a child, a wounded child. Right, right. And that um, while I have been saying for years on the show, you know, a great deal of our cultural illness is the lack of tending the gates of birth and initiation into adulthood and and um, the ancestor uh, becoming ancestors, death. That's the word I was looking right. for. Death. Right. Um, at the same time, um, each of us taking responsibility to simply grow up um, would be a way to do our duty to others. I'm nodding quietly. 
Um, and I also, as we, we come up to the end of our show here, I wanted to say, bring out one of the last things that you said actually in, in your post about this that I thought was important is that it's not a matter of these spirits going away because there's that camp in shamanism well you're not helping go away i'm banishing you i'm binding you you know (laughs) um so it's not about these spirits going away or we you know we get new ones because these are pooped out and tired that um that these as as you said this energy problematic as it is right now in its transformed and, and and proper origin state is leadership which is what we need at this time. So as we look at, for example, my own personal shadow and my need to transform that to pull it out of the cultural shadow that's up right now, we can also look at these bigger energies as this uh, leadership that my country is looking for could be found if as, as a collective group we did what was necessary to tend the spirit that these days is this tired, pooped out subordination energy. Right. And that maybe the medicine that we need in our time is in our doing our duty to these spirit friends and, and you know, these, these beloved spirit energies who have been helping us and to, to help them so that they can help us again. And in doing that, we have to help each other better. <laughs> it's it's um, all connected. It's all connected. And guess what? You know, part of what I'm what I'm seeing right now is it really is showing the deep, deep damage on so many levels of becoming a culture um, of every man or woman for himself. Right. It's all about me and my profits and my life and my family. Instead of realizing nothing, we're too connected for that to ever have been a good idea. (laughs) So, Kelly, any any final thoughts about this particular thing that you'd like to share with the listeners? My thoughts are simply thank you to to everybody who who is open to changing the way they do their work so that they can be more inclusive of anyone who can benefit from it, any, any connection they make. That's, that's what needs to happen. And I have gratitude for people who can examine the way they do their work to make an opening for that. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. So if any of you want to connect with Kelly about this, because you are inspired by today's show, you can find her at soul intent arts.com or Kelly Harrell, K E L L E Y. H-A-R-R-E-L-L dot com and um, we we can continue this conversation and if you all would like to try and issues come up and you have questions we could have more shows about this topic because I think it's deep and rich and would be a good topic to unfold over this year as we endeavor uh, to grow as practitioners so thank you Kelly Um, thank you for being with us today thank you So I give thanks to our ancestors for gathering around us here today for the earth below and the sky above and for the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.